May I start with just a few words from St. Paul first. I believe it really gets us ready to absorb in a deeper way the beautiful beatitudes that the gospel has just proclaimed to us. St. Paul says, love does no harm. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, of the law of God. Or in 1 Corinthians, St. Paul says, talking about the gifts that come to the Christian at the time of his baptism, at the time of his profession of faith, the great gifts that sometimes lay quite dormant in our lives. They have to be exercised. We need muscles to exercise the gifts that God gives or they lie dormant and we wonder if they're really there. So St. Paul talking of these gifts is very determined. So faith, hope, love, abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The gift of being able to love more than our human nature really allows us to. With a super graced background to believing, to hoping, to having great confidence that God is going to work all this out for us now and in the final times of our life and loving, and loving, unselfishly loving, when it's sometimes super difficult because emotions are rushing in. And so we call upon that extra strength that is a gift of God to love the unlovable, to love in the unloving situation. These gifts, God's gifts, the fantastic gifts of baptism that are sometimes just simply not exercised might be like a person who, he sort of loves music, he has a great sense of rhythm, his fingers work well, and so forth. He could be a a wonderful guitarist in his family, with his friends, but he never exercises the gift. He never develops the gift in all its potential. He just likes to listen to the music. Passing over some natural gifts that God has planted in his life. And so we can pass over the great gift of faith understanding how God is working out everything in our life to bring us into the kingdom of God gradually now and finally the end of our life. And hope, that kind of confidence that is just beyond the ordinary hoping of this life. Oh, I, it's not wishing. It's the theological virtue of 
knowing deeply and trusting deeply in all God has for us. And loving not what's in it for me type of love. It seems to be all Hollywood kind of knows how to do. <clears throat> then they have spurts of glory that go beyond it sometime with unselfish love, loving in the difficult times. <clears throat> but otherwise, it's a what might it be for me type of love. What's in it for me? Because then I'm going to measure out my response based on what's coming back my way. That's not how God does it. That's not the life of Jesus that we are to imitate. St. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ didn't love that way. So my friends, when we turn to the Beatitudes today, <clears throat> what we're having is a, a fleshing out of how love works out in our life. How God, through Christ's authority, asks us to have love work out in our life. The characteristics, the dispositions of that love in our life. He begins to teach, <clears throat> sitting down. This is a majestic teaching scene. There's a mountain. He sits down, as all the great rabbis and Moses had done. He's going to speak with authority. And that's why everybody came, because he spoke with authority. This is it, guys. This is really it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. They are happy. They are beginning to have a supernatural happiness because they recognize that everything has come from God. Certainly they work hard at this and that. But down deep they know that it's because God has given them eyeballs and God has given them hands and God has given them a place and God has put them in a family of love and God has done all these things that they're really, in a sense, total receptors. They were poor. And God rushed in. God rushed in to their lives. They're poor in spirit. They know that their wealth is not their own. But it's God's love in their lives. For theirs then is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come now. To feel it, to recognize it, to have it about us, particularly in our family. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. This word here that they have, mourn, is the same one that is used when you remember the other story of the the foreigner Samaritan who comes upon the man who's, who's all beat up and lying on the road and nobody else is helping him. And so the Samaritan mourns, mourns inside for what this man needs, puts him on his donkey, 
pays the cost of his care after the first aid he gives them. Blessed are those who mourn, who have a feeling for the needs of others. They're alert to it. They're attentive to it. They can see it. They can... Women are so marvelous along these lines, much more than men. Sometimes they can just see the littlest frown across the forehead of a child. They see in their eyes a, 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 a cloudiness today. A, a, amazing gift that God gives them along with all the other gifts of nurturing of the young children in the family. Blessed are they who mourn, who really can be in touch with the needs of others. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will in, inherit the land. They will do well. <clears throat> Many times meekness is simply translated even in the scriptures as humility. Blessed are the humble. Again, knowing that everything really down deep is coming from God, coming from the Father, the gift of Jesus on the cross. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You can even hear that in the words, to hunger and thirst. I haven't had a meal. To hunger and thirst to be right with God, to know what God's will is and to be able to, to follow it. Lord, show me your will. Help me in this. To hunger and thirst, for they will be satisfied. <clears throat> Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy in their lives. And they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart. A certain singleness of, of focus towards the good of others. Not to be abused, but to be cherished. For young men to cherish the beauty of young women. And all that God intends for them in their life. To be filled with that sense of all God has for young women. Tremendous. Tremendous. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, to be a child of God, be a peacemaker. <clears throat> Little story comes to mind. Most deacons are married, so I have four beautiful children, 15 grandchildren. Anyway, one of these sons is a, was a great big guy, <clears throat> been in the Navy for a long time, and he was on a date with another fellow and a young lady, <clears throat> and um, they were pulling into a parking spot, and uh, there were some guys kind of cutting all of a sudden started to cut through the cars. And so he had to do it extra carefully. But one of the great big guys in the group of three took offense at the car coming into this spot. 
there was enough room, but he was really put back by it. He had been drinking a lot. So he challenged my son right away for making him upset. And so I heard that my son said, hey man, I'd like to buy you a beer. And, he, and the guy said, turns, he's, he's pretty well loaded. He turns, what, what did he say? He said, he wants to buy you a beer. Oh, oh. In other words, we're not going to fight? <laughs> yeah, my house is here. I will buy you a beer. Come knock on the door. A peacemaker. Different little ways we can make peace. Creative ways sometimes. <laughs> With beer, whatever. <laughs> and blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Yup, this, <clears throat> this way of loving unselfishly uh, and, and deferring to others and not retaliating against others. and uh, People begin to get not listening to bad stuff, work. People begin to say, well, this guy, is, this, this, this young lady is different. Um, and they might persecute a little bit. Oh, she's too good for us. Or he's, uh, oh yeah, he's too good for us. Well, that's a persecution. And maybe one type of persecution the early church had lots of persecution. They were bleeding. They were losing their lives because they loved God and followed the Beatitudes in their life. Blessed are they if they happen to insult you and persecute you. They certainly did that to Jesus. And you and I are a follower of Jesus, and we sort of have to expect that. That's okay. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. So my dear friends, this, <clears throat> this way of developing the characteristics of love in all these situations, of, of self-giving love, not what it's, what's in it for me, love. Self-giving love. Very big deal. There's a um, little quote from St. John Chrysostom, who was an Eastern bishop quite, quite known for what he could say. He says, if we Christians took care to be about what we ought to be, living the precepts of the faith, not retaliating over injuries, small ones in the home or big ones, if rendered, <clears throat> not rendering good for evil, or not rendering evil, but rather good, for then no man is so much a beast that he would not run to worship the true religion of the Lord Jesus if he saw all Christians acting as we have said. 
in, our, in the homes of our families, they have all kinds of little things written on the wall, on kind of whiteboards, permanent script things that kind of perk you out, even, even in the bathroom, you know. Happiness begins at home, it was in one bathroom. <laughs> this is one I always see when I go to my son's house, another son's house. <clears throat> it says, um, uh, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family unselfishly. It'll change the whole world eventually. The world is really attracted to the dispositions and the character of love that Christians can bring to this world. And you can bring to your life and the ones around you that you love. May this be our call, always, and may this be our response, always.